You've joined the Digital Transformation Success Podcast. I'm your host, Priscilla McKinney. I consult with leaders around the globe and bring their teams through a digital transformation journey. Realizing digital transformation across an entire organization is key to business success. While the phrase digital transformation is often used, it's not always understood. So we start each episode with my brief working definition. Digital transformation refers to the purposeful integration of digital technology into all areas of a business. It goes beyond technological innovations in that it requires a fundamental mindset shift of how to operate internally and deliver maximum value to customers at scale. When done well, it results in a culture change to an environment where opportunities for digital technology are not missed but are thoughtfully used to change established practices and processes for greater efficiency, flexibility, and profitability. You'll hear from consultants, trainers, executives, innovators, and thought leaders. We will avoid buzzwords, jargon, and leave behind our egos to help you take that next step toward digital transformation success. Let's dive in. With me today is someone who definitely knows about digital transformation. I have a colleague and good friend of mine, Danielle Bluegrind. I really, at this point, probably been begging her to come on the show. Is that fair? That's fair. (laughs) Okay. Um, Danielle and I uh, love to talk about like what's going on next in the market research industry, but specifically about digital transformation. She's here today. And let me tell you a little bit about the experience and why she's a great person for me to ask some of these questions to. And I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. But originally, um, if we could do the way back, you know, machine, uh, Danielle was the director of consumer insights and brand strategy at Taco Bell. I think you've heard of them. Um, She's done all kinds of moderating. She was also a senior account executive over at Burke. So when we talk about strong relationships with clients and how you go about crafting custom market research and, and really dealing with clients who are like reeling from the digital transformation that's out there. How do they have to pivot major companies? How do they have to understand what consumers are doing? And and what does that look like for a research function? She certainly knows her way around that. But as of right now, she is the Senior Consumer Insights Manager over at Roku, a company I think also you've heard of. So (laughs) welcome to the show, Danielle. Thank you so much, Priscilla. I'm really happy to be chatting with you today. Yeah, well, it is just a chat. And I think that so many people obviously know what you you do at Roku in terms of what the brand does. Um, and we all can't even imagine our lives without the beautiful love from Roku. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> no, you know, I, it was actually one of my most prominent, like most um, memorable brand experiences. I remember, and I tell the story all the time. So I'm not just like buttering you up here, Danielle, but <laughs> when people tell me, well, well, what brands are doing it right? And I'm thinking, well, it is an interesting question what brands are doing it right, but let me tell you who did it right long before other brands were doing it right. And I talk about my story of the first time I ever met Roku because I lived very remotely in uh, Kansas. And I remember when someone said, oh, this Roku is out and they, you know, the price tag, I was like, well, that's not expensive. And they said, and within three minutes, it'll be up and you'll be streaming in your house. And I'm like, crap, that's not true. <laughs> and I bought it, it arrived. In less than three minutes, we were up and streaming and I, it was just 
it blew my mind. And it was just like the way it was packaged, the way the explanations were like everything about the, the experience was right and on point. And I am sure that none of that happened without amazing research. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're looking at everything, right? We are looking at the packaging. We're looking at the product. Um, one of our core pillars is being easy. That's super important to us. So we want to be a good value. Um, and we want to have content access that's really not political, it's agnostic. And um, so that hopefully you can find everything you want on our platform, but we want it to, everything to be easy from that three minute, like you said, setup to finding the channel you want, finding the show you want. We want this to be a simple experience you really don't have to think about. And I found the same thing. I, I have Roku on every single TV or I have a Roku TV now, not because I work there, but because I love it. Right. And right. my mom's 80 and she has picked it up in a snap and tells all her friends to get it now. Right. You know what? That is such a great point because the it, it's so easy to adopt. And in a world that has so much um, digital and so much technology available, not all of it is really that easy to adopt. So that's a huge, huge piece. But there's two real big things I want to talk with you about that I think will be a big benefit for my audience. And you're such a thought leader in this industry. So there's kind of two main schools. So the first one I want to talk with you about is really your mindset, how you see the consumer today. Because when we talk about digital transformation on this podcast, we talk about how do we do this in our business? How do we digitally transform what we're doing to be successful? But you guys are the, like the original, you are like, you know, maybe I would say maybe you're swimming in the soup, but maybe you created the soup. <laughs> I don't know. Um, for really the fact that all of our lives are different. They, we, we are in some place of digital transformation, whether we've just found out about Roku or whether we've been like massive, massive fans for so much, it has pervaded our own consumer, our individual lives. So before we talk about business and how that is, uh, you know, how that's happening for you as a consumer insights person, um, let's talk about that. What's your perspective on, you know, where we are at as the average consumer and how digitally transformed we are? You know, I think at least in the part of tech that I know in the streaming world and the television world, I think we've passed a tipping point where, you know, everything, Roku included, anything like that, that's, that's tech oriented starts with your early adopters, right? They get in there first. They're the first ones to hear about it. The first ones to try it. They're willing to try things when they're imperfect and they're buggy and they don't have a lot of perks because they want to try the latest and greatest. And then it feeds into your mainstream people, right? Your average tech person. I think that's kind of where I fall is sort of in the middle. So I'm not the first one, but I'm not clueless either. But, you know, I'll get in there. Once I've heard about something and it's been out for a while, I'll get in there. And we hit that point years ago, I think, where things like streaming became very mainstream adopted. Even if people still had cable, they might have been streaming also. But we were in the midst of a shift. Anthony Wood, who started in, started Roku and runs our company, he'd always said that the 2020s were going to be the streaming decade. And I think his vision was spot on and not just because of COVID. COVID accelerated what was happening anyway. COVID put us all at home and we weren't spending money on vacations and we weren't going out and we couldn't go to movies. And so people were saying, well, then I'm going to spend money on home entertainment. If I'm going to be home all day, we may as well make it a fabulous, entertaining, nice place to be. Well, not only the entertainment, but also I'm going to confess right now that I did make that squirrel picnic table. So, 
exactly. And some sourdough, maybe. <laughs> no, I leave that to my husband. I'm not messing around in the kitchen. I'm like, I like to stand right outside of the kitchen where things come out when they're it ready. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you brought up an interesting fact. Um, obviously, we all know that COVID changed, um, you know, how we valued uh, streaming. It was a mm-hmm. part of our everyday, really, we took it for granted. Now in the COVID years, which I hate to say, but it's true, um, in the COVID years, um, you know, this really pushed a lot of uh, companies who, you know, operate on your platform to really go a lot of different directions and to create, you know, so much more content and probably be more proprietary content. And tell me a little bit about, you know, what, what did happen for you all? I mean, I think from the outsider, we get it. But really, you know, you're right in the middle of it. What what was what was really good um, about it, and what was really tough? You know, it's it's been a really interesting couple of years. Having joined Roku five months before the pandemic began, I was barely, you know, getting the learning the ropes and getting up to speed in the industry and the brand and the consumer. And we had 37 million active accounts when I joined, and that was exciting to me. And we had goals, you know, to eventually hit 50, but we're at 60 million now. So it was, we were growing anyhow, and this is public, you know, you, you can look out there and we talk about it during earnings calls. We know we've hit that, you know, fantastic milestone mark much faster than we might have otherwise, because I think so many people turned to streaming earlier than they might have. So it accelerated that, that mainstream tech consumer who might've been closer to the laggard end they started jumping in, but we're home, we're watching TV, we're watching more content. We've heard about the streaming thing. What a perfect time to try it. People had time to adopt dogs and train them. People had time to set up streaming and learn it. And then they found out it's easy and I can replace cable. And before you know it, more and more and more people jumped on and stayed. That's That's the thing that's really important to me is it wasn't a temporary thing, a temporary fix during COVID, they've stayed. So, you know, that's interesting because I had John Dick from uh, Civic Science on this podcast and he, yeah. yeah, and he was talking <laughs> about, um, you know, what are we going to do now? What do brands need to know? What do they need to think about in order to recover and emerge out of this? And so I hear you, you know, obviously at Roku, you guys are already talking about this and you're making a lot of strides, but I would be interested in your, your, pers- your perspective on that. You said a lot of people are adopted and accelerated, but you're seeing them stay. So is that really where the mindset is? Like we're, you know, once these digital um, transformations occur in our personal lives, we don't go backwards. I think that for the, if you think about it, let me start this one over. You've got your leading edge people. They tried things like streaming. They stuck with it. Then, you know, the next round of adopters did it and they stuck with it. So even for the people who aren't super tech inclined, if you have something that ticks the boxes where, They didn't have to invest a lot to get into it. They'd heard maybe from their techie friends that it was a great way to go. And this last two years gave them the boost to go ahead, dip their toe in the water, try something new. They found out it was easy. They found out how great it was to have all your content on demand all the time and not just the things that you had pre-recorded. And they found out they could save money. Then I think it became this aha, no brainer for people where they've been a little concerned, maybe that they wouldn't get it or they wouldn't understand it. And then lo and behold, it's so easy to use, so easy to do, and you can get rid of your cable that why not? So that's why I feel like people have stuck with it because the experience delivers what you want it to deliver. 
and right. what we promise. Right. Well, you know, what's interesting is that once upon a time, <laughs> I was the poster child for Roku because in my adult life, I've never owned cable. I've never paid for cable. I've never owned a TV that was connected to network TV. I've never even had an antenna. I've never, I never had traditional TV. I just walked away from it. Um, and it wasn't until streaming came along that I got into it because when I had kids, then, you know, of course we had the little mini DVD players and I'd play something, but it's not that I'm against, you know, <laughs> you know, entertainment, good Lord, my job, you know, we create commercials. Um, but the funny thing is I don't put them on network TV. So I think that's kind of funny, mm-hmm. um, but you know, once upon a time, I was a weirdo <laughs> for that, you know, and I'm really the poster child for Roku because, and that's why I was an early adopter to it because, you know, not necessarily because I'm a technology early adopter to a lot of things, but because it was so at the heart of what was going on in my life. And it was an answer to something I wanted, but I wasn't willing to do it the way brands were offering it to me. I'm like, that's, Mm -hmm. I lose too much buying cable. I don't want to see, I know the irony, I get it, ads. (laughs) I've I've been in marketing and research for all these years, but I'm a massive commercial skipper. I yeah, totally yeah. understand. Yeah. And I, and then mm-hmm. the other thing was I didn't want my kids watching them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me getting a DVD and playing that, but when they came out with streaming, I'm like, yes, I would love to watch these things. I just want to do it on my terms. And so it was such a beautiful answer to that. So I feel like if you guys ever like do a contest for a poster child for Roku, can you like throw my name in the hat or something? I can. And someone, everyone I talk to either can has that story to share about themselves or their dad, like somebody told me, said, my dad can use a phone to call me and text me and that's it. But he's had Roku for years and uses it beautifully. So we love these stories. You know, we are obviously a big player in the streaming space, whether it's the smart TVs or the streaming players, but we're still a small enough company that we get so excited about, you know, the fans. We really do. It's like, we love hearing these stories. It makes our day. Well, it's good. We're putting a new TV in my new office that we're moving in tomorrow. And I was like, Hey, who got my Roku stick? Like, I'm like, <laughs> I need to know yep. where I did. Did you get the Roku hooked up? I don't want to be a day without it. So uh, totally get that. Well, let's shift gears just a little bit and talk about really your job and what this means. Um, you know, how you think about digital transformation in terms of how you deliver what you're supposed to deliver to the company at large. So, you know, I love, I, I know that we have this in common. I know that we love technology, but also you and I make this connection. It's like face-to-face. I mean, I, I'm dying to figure out when you're going to be able to be at another conference and we can see each other face-to-face or be at mm-hmm. a women in research event or something like that. Um, it is so important. And I'd love for people to hear a little bit about how you think about market research. So this little slice of, of business world that you live in, how do you think about digital transformation in terms of what technologies you can use um, in order to digitally transform and automate some of the things you do, or maybe maybe um, amplify, you know, the insights that you're getting. But where do you draw that line, and to what degree do you look at digital transformation and see break the part, uh, you know, break it apart? Here's technology, but here's the human interaction. So, so tell me about your your thinking of that and how you go about blending that, or if you blend it, or you know what you're doing really at Roku. Yeah, and I would say I definitely blend it. Um, I am just blown away by all the new technologies, all the new services that are out there. You know, if if you've seen that little diagram, that little illustration of all the res tech companies out there that someone updates from time to time. It's mind-blowing. It's so overwhelming. In fact, I'll put it, I'll put it in the show notes just because some people are like, what, what's that? It's amazing. It'll blow your mind once you see it. Good idea to put that in there. Yes. And 
and there's so much out there. So I have to look at it, you know, I, I look at it with a mix of excitement and um, a little bit of critical evaluation because there's lots of new shiny things and many of them are fantastic, but I have to look at them and say, well, is it actually going to add some kind of value to my day to day? Either is it going to get me better insights, faster insights, cheaper insights, a new way of talking to people that's going to bring, you know, a new insight to me or not? Because it takes some time to evaluate what's out there, to learn what's out there, to get used to integrating it into what you do. And so it has to be worth that effort that you put into getting yourself and your team up to speed on something new. Um, so I'm thrilled to be exploring now some of the things that are out there and looking at ways that we could use them for, um, you know, for survey work, um, to talk to people beyond the 60 million um, email addresses I have available for me to do research with, you know, the people who aren't on our platform. There's lots of really interesting things out there that I've been evaluating and exploring lately, and I would love to add valuable things to our toolkit. But like you said, the old school face-to-face with people, I don't think the value of that will ever go away for me because it still does offer something that you don't get unless you're speaking to someone, unless you're watching them and observing them. You don't, we can't forget that part. It's not just hearing what they say, but it's watching what they do. And if you've ever been in a store with a consumer, watching, observing what they're looking at and what they're touching and who they're talking to, you learn a lot just from that, that they can't come back and report to you because they don't know what's important to you. And people don't remember 95% of what they say and do. So when you have that opportunity to be face to face with people, I just think it brings your consumer to life in a way that's really not replaceable by anything. Oh, I just had a conversation with Sarah Kotva at uh, Fieldwork about this. Mm. Just, you know, you can't, you can't replace what happens in face-to-face. And I think it's such a great, you know, um, observation of what you're saying. And I would agree with it is that, yeah, you're, you stream and it's a digital, digitally transformed company. And, but that doesn't mean we go away from all of these, I want to say, I don't even want to call them traditional, just these more qualitative, you know, uh, methodologies, because there is some technology that is going to help you really scale and run the distance. But in that discovery that you need to do in order to stay on top of really what's trending and look at the foresight of what could possibly happen in the next two years for streaming services. I mean, I, I, I honestly don't envy your spot because I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen either, but we'll, you know, we'll roll with it, whatever it is. We'll roll with it. I love it. Well, when you think about um, people who are, are looking to add more technology and, and become more, you know, for the purpose of this podcast, digitally transformed in the way they go about doing things, what are some of like the, the things that maybe tips that you could give them, like how you came at it and went, okay, cool, shiny technology, but pause. How is this going to work? What were, what was some of the things that you were thinking, you know, that might help some of my listeners? Sure. I mean, I'm looking at things like, is this honestly going to help me take a jump forward in one direction or another? If it's just going to replace a way of doing something, but there's really no added value, then what we're doing is probably working because I get excited about new stuff, but what we're doing also works. And so I don't want to throw things away just because something else came along. I still trust in the methodologies I'm using today. There's no reason not to trust them tomorrow. But again, if suddenly you could learn the same things, but learn them faster, 
Okay. Is that solving a problem for you? Is speed, you know, to, to insights an issue? Then maybe you look at that. Um, are you budget challenged? Is this going to offer you a more affordable way, especially if you have some of those platforms and things that are semi DIY or assisted DIY? Well, you putting your own time into it might save your company money, might make something affordable. So that's another way to look at it. Um, I think some of the new technology out there is making the advanced analytics more affordable and accessible. So where a standard survey might not be that expensive, but if you want to go in and do a conjoint or a turf, it becomes expensive. There are more accessible ways to do this. As long as you understand the methodologies well enough yourself to make sure you're setting everything up properly. So I, I I think I said before, I kind of approach them with a mix of excitement and caution. I would just say, Make sure there's a value add and that if you are doing DIY, that you know enough to do it right. Oh my gosh. I couldn't agree more with the idea of, um, we're not just simply trying to find a new fangled technology to do the same thing, (laughs) you know? Um, But I do like that idea. If it's quicker or if there is, sometimes there are some tangible intangibles, you know, that go with it. Like maybe it, at the end of all of the work, it does organize it better to keep it for later access or so. I love that you brought up a couple of interesting points. I don't think I'd, I'd thought of in that. And so in terms of digital transformation, you know, for your whole department, are there other things that you would say that are not just how you think about it? Or, you know, do you find yourself kind of sharing this out to other departments or with just people on your team, how you think about evaluating, you know, new ways of doing things? I am sharing this with the team. And, you know, you just mentioned something that I didn't touch on, which was how it's all organized. The benefit that some things could offer you in terms of a dashboard, right? If you're looking to, um, for different ways to share things, that's a new way you can share internally, right? You can set up a dashboard and you can give people a link to those. I haven't tried that before, but I'm absolutely open to that idea. Or if you're repeating something, um, like when I was at Taco Bell, I used to do tons of concept testing on new products. I mean, a couple hundred a year. I can't imagine how valuable it would have been all those years ago before digital transformation to have had a dashboard where I could pull up any one of those monadic concept tests and compare, contrast to another product that I'm testing. There are so many ways you would have that are automated to go in there and better learn from the data you already have and better analyze it and better compare it. So I think that alone can bring tremendous value, especially if you find some kind of system that you want to use on an ongoing basis. I think that knowledge base you're building up and building up in an electronic digital way is a huge benefit. Yeah, I would totally agree. And I think that, you know, it does help you formulate better questions for the next iteration of research. That too. Yeah. So I think that could be really helpful. Well, Danielle, I want people to connect with you on LinkedIn, but is there anything else in terms of like where you're going next or what you, you know, what, you know, any kind of uh, thing that you want to share and before anybody, you know, uh, before we hear from you, I just want to say, you got to connect with her on LinkedIn. It's Danielle, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E spelled as you would think. And it's blue grind, B-L-U-G-R-I-N-D over at Roku. But Danielle, anything that's, um, you know, coming up for you, I know that you know, you and I always try and support everybody who's in women in research and try and, you know, make it out to those events, but what's kind of uh, coming up for you next? I'm keeping my eye out right now to see if there's any wire events coming out in Southern California, uh, San Jose's in Northern California, but I'm still down in the South for a little while. So 
Uh, if anybody knows of any local events, has anything to recommend, I am all ears. You can shoot me a note at LinkedIn. And as Priscilla said, I'm happy to connect with anybody. I'm not the kind who filters and questions it. Yes, <laughs> network with me. I'm always there. I think that's like the whole group of the women in research. I'm sorry, did you need something? Because we've got your back. So I'm just telling you right now, Danielle's one of those people. And that's why I begged her to come on this show, because I knew my audience would really appreciate just this, you know, uh, obviously your your tremendous amount of years of experience, but also just the perspective, like you, you're very generous with your knowledge. And I, I think that makes a huge difference about how we all can learn from each other. It does make a difference. Well, and I think we've done a great job during this pandemic of, I feel more connected, more close to the research community than ever before. So that says a lot about the people in the group. And I love that. You know, when you're thinking about digital transformation, I do think that, you know, you have some ideas, but being able to share this with each other, well, this is what I'm thinking, you know, you and I both, you know, just in a, in a, just an easy conversation, both had different thoughts about what could benefit, you know, the teams. And I think just, just hearing that from another person who has so much experience can help, you know, give me the confidence to go, okay, no, that's a good way to evaluate it. This is how I'm going to go forward. Yep. We all learn from each other all the time. Well, we hope you do go forward with your next uh, step in your digital transformation process. And thank you so much, Danielle, for joining us today. Thank you for having me here today. I appreciate it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.